0: Well, Hogue has been frustrated along with Ray Ferraro on the, the right of your screen. Two of the leaders offensively for this team. Ferraro finished strong for the New York Islanders to help them make it. And Gary Beckman, the head of the National Hockey League, on the left. Rick Randis on the right, Ghostbusters fan. Young Ranger fan there, <laughs> taking advantage of the railing.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the CrossRip episode 101. As has been mentioned in recent episodes, uh, Troy and myself, a little busy in the day jobs. Uh, currently at the moment, uh, me not so much, relative to Troy. On top of that, a bit of a light news week. Not that there wasn't cool stuff going on this week, but nothing so pressing that we need to talk about right this second, so we'll carry those over to next week. In the meantime, rather than to slack the episode after our... 100th episode we thought we'd dip back into the vaults there and pull up one of our earliest and favorite episodes an interview with the hermit of the Ghostbusters universe and recent birthday boy, Mr. Rick Moranis those of you new to the CrossRip uh, who haven't binged your way back to the beginning, surprise uh, you can listen to it now and for those of you who are longtime listeners and have heard it already, don't worry, we're going to throw some goodies around it on that note, happy birthday, Rick, wherever you are. Well, I guess
0: we're gonna have to take control.
1: The rest is, see you next week.
2: All
1: right, on with the Rickness.
0: Some video stores... Excuse me. They never have what you want...
3: Don't have them.
0: ...when you want it. Excuse me. (laughs) At Jumbo Video... Excuse me. you come to the right place. Have some free popcorn. We have what you want and more. 24 hours a day. Music videos, video games, computer software, children's movies, just 99 cents. Movies for sale... Wow, this place is great. Jumbo Video has everything you want for a great night at home. Got the 8-tracks? Jumbo Video. Let us entertain you.
4: There it is, the final chord of Kraftwerk's Autobahn, a classic sound that so many of us remember from those days. I cannot think of a single piece of music that more than Kraftwerk's Autobahn's final chord says, hey, I know exactly where I am as I'm saying this. Except for, of course, I guess the Beach Boys, the opening sound. Right. Thank you
0: very much, gentlemen. Our uh, next guest, a very funny young man who was one of the members of SCTV, and he can currently be seen in Ghostbusters 2, and uh, the new Disney film Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, (laughs) which I understand opens nationwide on Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Rick Moranis. Mr. Moranis. Hi, Rick. Nice to see you again. How are you? The crowd crowd goes crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tom Brokaw's talking to this guy, this guy's going to be on Nightly News tomorrow and <laughs> I do doing sit-ups? Up. You people must have been to McDonald's and gotten a cup with my face on it, I can see Is there a, no, a McDonald's cup with your face yeah, on it? Yeah, yeah This I, is I, Ghostbusters This too. is it, I've gotten married, i got kids, and now I'm Fred McMurray of the 90s <laughs> Well,
2: that's alright
0: My kid's wearing Pampers with a Mickey Mouse, and I'm, tomorrow I'm test driving Illumina <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's, it's uh, a parenthood, and, and you're a family man would you like to use the drummer no no way? no last time i did i okay. kind of used to it but they're not doing rim shots that way anymore it's all synthesized now yeah. you're, you're out of date let me tell, me tell me about first of all ghostbusters 2 now you No, no, no. they they made 30 million dollars last week That's we right. got to talk about honey i shrunk the okay kid. we'll get to that in a second okay but it's the same you're the same guy you were in the original you're do ghostbusters 2 yes yes I'm you're sigourney saying. weaver's neighbor no, the building got blown up. We're not neighbors anymore. All right. So it's five years later, she's had an affair with a guy. She's got a bit. I can't keep track of yeah. it all. You know, really. <laughs> uh, were you pleased with the film? I haven't seen it. Yeah. yeah now you've seen it. No, I swear I haven't seen you it. You really haven't seen it. I like to wait. So, I mean, you're gonna think of it. I like to wait. And go to a matinee with a paying audience and see the, yeah. the, the the film play properly. Yeah. Now it's going to be a long time before there's room for you to sneak into a matinee because it's doing huge no, I business. Won't, I isn't won't it? sneak. I'll just. pay. Oh, you mean because of the business? Yeah. It's going to be yeah. very crowded. Not the theaters I go to. <laughs> you, know, you can always get into those theaters. Now, did you get a, a good hunk of this one? Because. It's... Oh shoot. Yeah. No, I didn't. Get... What? Me? <laughs> well, are you kidding? I don't know. No. Uh-huh. No, but I got a big piece of honey. I shrunk the kid. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs>
2: Rick Moranis here. Hello, Rick. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's early
5: morning there. It's all right. I got my coffee. I'm set. This will please my collection. I have now had the opportunity to speak to both McKenzie brothers. So oh, yeah? Do you spoke to Dave? Yeah. Okay. I got a chance to chat with him. Which is actually the one thing I noticed when I was getting ready for this is that I was reading old articles and you were talking about working on uh, Strange Brew and kind of it finished and you left it in his hands because you said he's all over the film industry and that's that's what we ended up talking about is boy he has a lot to say about making the movies and whereas all the stuff I've been reading on you your background's all music. Well radio primarily. Radio primarily uh, but yeah you, you have a long history of from beginning to end like uh, both playing them on the air, and now you're producing it yourselves. It was an interesting uh, flip side of the coin for the McKenzie brothers. That I was. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I guess that
5: that's true to some extent. It's not like uh, Dave does a lot of musical stuff in the like. SAT
2: right, right, that's true. And even back uh, when we first did the album, it, it was we were doing the album and the movie at the, around the same time, and I was do, really working on the album, and he was working on the movie. So it's true. I, I've I've always sort of leaned in the direction. of
5: I uh, read in a couple of interviews there you, you were talking about you were less interested in dealing with, with with the baggage that was going on. Are you just gonna? It sounds like you're writing more stuff. Are you kind of? It seems like you're gonna keep rolling on the music bandwagon for a while rather than worrying about you know um, being you know Rick Moranis with new listings in the Internet Movie Database sort of thing.
2: Well, um, you're 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 sort of right. at all. I mean, the film industry is just, you know, a means of of producing and marketing and distributing product. And you can do it at the low end or the high end, and you can do it with, you know, big budget special effects movies, or you can do it with low budget independent movies. For me, the delineation was the difference between the kind of work I was doing on SCTV or in the very early films, like Ghost, the first Ghostbusters or Spaceballs, where I was writing all my stuff and having a great time. You know, that's, that's what we did in those days on sctv and even before that all the stuff i did i wrote and once i became a commodity for hire and was asked to be in other people's movies it was it stopped being about the creativity about the writing and it and and it became more about being uh, a marketable entity what they i guess what they call a star
3: right
2: and you know hitting the mark and saying the lines and and executives and the director wanted the actor to do was, you know, perfectly acceptable as a, as a way to spend time and, and make a living, but it was not fulfilling creatively the way the earlier work had been. And um, I knew as I was taking a break from it that if I went back to it, I was not going to go back to it in that way. If I ever went back to it, I'd go back Doing anything I was doing some voiceover work to pay the rent and I was um
5: then that we will hear from you in the coming years that you know you've gone back to into the film or television oh, I have no idea but but kind of from your own if you're going back in you're going back in on your own terms just to get the creative
2: yeah, but not, I mean not with defiance I'm no. not making any you know big declarative statements if if
5: uh, well you're in a position that basically you can approach it however you're comfortable if, if I understand correctly
2: yeah I mean if Mel Brooks said hey let's finally make the well then you know even though that's a big budget special effects movie i know the terrain i know it means we have to we got to make it up we got to we got to write it so you know that that kind of thing would appeal to me but if you know if a director called up and said hey i've got a script well it happens all the time now you know i mean it stopped it doesn't have a lot of frequency now because people know that i'm not you know that i pretty much say no but um every so often i'll agent, or a network executive, or a studio person, or a director, hey, you know, I'm doing this movie, and we really want you, and da-da-da-da, and you did this character years ago, that when you're the, then, you know, and on, and on and on and on and on. And to me, it's still three months out of town, and a lot of, I, it doesn't interest me, mm-hmm. you know? That's, go find somebody that'll enjoy it.
5: Um, I'm just kind of... In general, wanted to to kind of move over into the realm of talking about being this bona fide part of popular culture. Everything, Louis, and I mean Ghostbusters particularly, is filled with Lewis lines that I just kind of see all over the place. I, I William Atherton always kind of complained in, in a good natured way that for the first few years after Ghostbusters came out, he couldn't go anywhere without you know people yelling uh, "Dickless" at him. And I was just kind of wondering, do you, do, you, do you still the I, I know. That everybody knows Rick Moranis. I'm just wondering how often do you run into it? Do you get people that stop you a lot and talk to you about, you know, passionately about the stuff that they love that you've done?
2: Well, um, some of that stuff is time sensitive. So, you know, in 1983, Dave and I couldn't walk down the street. Everybody, especially in Canada, we, you know, we were like the Beatles, and, and everybody knew us <laughs> and wanted to, you know, talk to us and get autographs and stuff like that. Now it's different. You know, I, I'm people still recognize me and. Sometimes they know my name, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just point at me and go, hey, honey, I shrunk the kids, stuff like that. Right. Um, it depends. You know, it's obviously different in Canada. It's different for different age groups. Um, you know, I've kept a pretty low profile for several years, and it's it's cable television that's sort of kept my face up there, and I, I guess I still resemble myself a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I don't not that I'm the the agoraphobic cowboy or anything, but I'm not all over the place moving around all that much. I'm in my neighborhood, and I think everyone's pretty bored of me in my neighborhood. But yet, um, you know, the other day I went out uh, to do something and somebody on the street stopped me and, you know, said some things, but you you know, you, you sort of get used to that and people are, you know, really nice.
5: You kind of talked about the pop culture thing. Now, I'm I'm hoping that I can get you to talk a bit about the pop culture thing, Ghostbusters-wise, specifically when it came out. William Atherton kind of got the, the pointy end of the stick, but everybody that worked on the movie in one respect or another spoke a lot about how, at the time, especially if you were wandering around New York, you were a rock star if you were in Ghostbusters. Use the first Ghostbusters, you mean? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I kind of lump the two together. But as you say, the first one has that special ping, whereas the second one has a little bit more of the follow-up to the initial concept. So I, I, per- well, I'll put it to you this way. I mean, I. You run into fans of movies and stuff like that and they know it inside and out, actually this is a painful confession that I'll be making to the world. I I I don't retain the same level of details that a lot of the fans of say Ghostbusters do. I I know I, I know I know a lot about it, but people will always catch me on little things and then wonder you're a fan of the movie, don't you know that? And I'm kind of like, I sort of did. I just didn't retain it. Um, what 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 got me into Ghostbusters initially wasn't just necessarily the movie itself, but the movie as a whole. I mean, I wasn't. There was something about Ghostbusters that I always regarded as being almost like perfect in many different ways of what a movie could and should be. Uh, you know, on the one part, it was it was great writing, and then on the, but the great writing wasn't just great writing. There was room for great improv, improvisation and room for second uh, you know, instances of writing where you were allowed to write your own stuff. I, I kind of I, I dug the way it was shot. I liked the effects. I liked hearing the stories about the effects guys. You know, pulled pulled it out of their hat, in a, in a, when if I understand correctly, in an impossibly short period of time. Uh, the Elmer Bernstein soundtrack, uh, all the way down to... And this is the first time I, it kind of clicked in my head from watching it. The promotion of a movie. Prior to that, movies were just—I mean, there was big movies, but Ghostbusters kind of was kind of in the vanguard of—and uh, we everybody takes it for granted now. This concept of a teaser trailer or the poster with you know a logo or a symbol, but no explanation about what it is. People take it for granted now, but Ghostbusters was kind of, was where it started. You know, months of just a black poster with the ghost symbol on it, and people people just you know ate it up. Uh, so to me, I kind of approach the movie as if I pay attention close enough, I can always learn something from from the movie. Basically, I'm excited that I get to talk to you, and as you mentioned before, you got you were allowed to write your own stuff. I, I kind of want to talk to you about the stuff you got to work on directly, not just not just the role, but you know, getting to improvise with them or get to write your own stuff, and st- just just to hear a little bit about what what you were involved in in what I regard as a movie that you know is is top notch I mean not just as a comedy but as a movie in general I look at it as if I ever need to figure out uh, how movies are done I can always start there and see what I can pick out of it so
2: yeah well you you mentioned a lot of really interesting um and and original points that's
5: because I'm a rambler and I apologize
2: about the the marketing and the place that it that it falls into um the movie business and the comedy business and the special effects business um you know there, there a, after hearing what you just said there's probably you know a significant article if not a book in, in in that because you you do make a lot of interesting points and I have very very little to do with this I just happen to be the the right person you know the person that, that was in the right place at the right time um, but it you know it was the third time out with Ivan and Bill they had done meatballs and they had done stripes and they were you know really comfortable working with each other and Ivan Ivan knew how he wanted to make movies as a producer which you know I always said the reason Ivan directs movies is because as the producer he hires the perfect guy for the job <laughs> and he also knew that the funniest way to get uh, the best way to get comedy on the set is to have Harold there on the set, and if Harold's not directing, then, you know, stick him in the movie, which is why Harold was in Stripes and why he was in Ghostbusters. Harold's, you know, doesn't, Harold likes to act, but he doesn't see himself as an actor any more than I do. Um, And, you know, it came after this, this period of blockbusterization that grew out of the 70s via, primarily via Spielberg. The Jaws and The Close Encounters and, and all of those movies right. that that completely changed the way that movies were released. Um, you know, they were no longer platformed. They went out on 2,000 screens or something like that and had enormous advanced publicity and big marketing campaigns. And so Ghostbusters was really the first comedy to come along that took the elements of, of the new blockbusterization of Hollywood, the new science fiction special effects potential that that Spielberg and Lucas had, had also cultivated and put them all together with you know the, the best comedians working at that time Harold and Bill and, and Danny so it was capitalizing on the heat of Saturday Night Live the heat of Spielberg and Lucas the heat of all of these things coming together to make this movie that by then Ivan had gotten so comfortable being able to
5: yeah uh evolution
2: written as a, you know, as a swinging bachelor, the way you would write a John for that. He knew the way the comedy worked. He knew that if you're going to get really funny stuff, it's better to get a comedian than an actor. So rather than get an actor to play a swinging bachelor, get a comedian. And if he's got a good swinging bachelor character, then great. But if he doesn't have that character, what character does he have? So we talked a lot about different characters and he had seen a couple things on SCTV. And he asked me about this one nerdy character that I'd done in a couple of sketches on SCTV, and we started playing around with that, and they offered me the movie. Now I wasn't professionally at a point where I could come close to demanding the kind of deal that John Candy would have wanted. I was just happy to get the offer, so I accepted the the terms. I also was not with CAA, and um, and went on to make the movie. Now you know, coming from Second City. It was a very easy transition for me, Uh, meeting and getting to know Dan. I already knew Harold um, through a couple of other Second City people. Uh, I was meeting Ivan and Bill for the first time, and obviously Sigourney for the first time. But the very first thing I did was sit down with, uh, with Harold and start talking about taking a stab at some of the scenes because you know if there's an apartment scene that were I think there was that party scene where the dog comes in the swinging bachelor script is going to be very different than the one that we're going to do with me playing that character so I, I wrote Harold and, and Ivan and and uh, hopefully me, then um, we should be able to do better than, than what's on the page. And if we, and if we can't, it's because the page is good enough. But we'll really challenge it. And that's the way we did it on Strange Brew, and that's the way we did it on Spaceballs, and that's the way we did it on SCTV, and that's the way we did it, that's the way I've done it on everything until I got to the movies that I did later in, in my career. The, the Little Giants and the the Honey I Shrunk the Kids, which were, you know, studio-written movies, and you know, they were—they wanted input, but they—they—they they, they weren't those kinds of movies. But you, you understand what I mean. I understand what you mean. Yeah. So that's my history with with Ghostbusters and and how my input was uh, was encouraged and uh, and used.
5: It was funny when you brought up the character on SCTV, whose name escapes me at the moment, because when I picked up the DVD and was looking at it, I was. It had been a long time since I'd seen that particular episode. I, I mean, you can catch SCTV all the time on TV, but it's um, it just kind of depending on when you tune in, you'll you'll get kind of a, a a random sampling of SCTV. Plus, you know, the the longer episodes got broken up into half an hour for syndication. So, I hadn't seen this one in ages, and I remember watching it and saying to myself, "This reminds me of Lewis a lot." So I was I'm, I'm glad you've, you you said that because I was always curious if that was. The kind of the the pseudo Lewis, um, uh, kind of a starting point that you went with. Um, it was it was it was way more of a uh, nerd on SCTV. Uh, Lewis has is a little bit more. Well, he had real
2: thick glasses and
5: yeah,
2: and a bad complexion. But
5: but there you were, know we were
2: just trying to you'd go into the makeup room and you'd just try and be as outrageous as you could
1: you right know,
2: in certain scenes. You know, when I saw what Andrea looked like in that, I thought, okay, all right, who who would she bring home to marry with for, into this family? And you know, and the idea was also, can I be can I be disruptive enough? Can I make these people laugh so hard that they won't be able to shoot the scene? You know, that's really the goal there.
5: Because you guys were, it was it was your time, it was your deal. So, if you wanted to make one another laugh, you could. The thing about Lewis, I, I and I don't, I kind of listened to you there. You're talking. You kind of at the beginning, you kind of downplayed your your role in Ghostbusters. But I, I don't think anybody could. A lot of people sometimes they read the books on the making of Ghostbusters and hear that John Candy was going to be in it and have a tough time imagining it just because. And, and this is all to your credit. Lewis comes across as not just. The, the bit character who, you know, gets possessed and all that. You, you In a very short period of time, you, you introduce us to, you know, this this earnest, if a little bumbling, uh, Lewis, uh, and then you're a little worried about him when he finally gets possessed and moves on sort of thing. I And I, d- I don't think people can wrap their heads around the concept of a Ghostbusters where it would have been John Candy coming out into the hall to, you know, chat up some Garnie Weaver, so. Well,
2: John is a swinging bachelor, you know, the Johnny LaRue guy. He, John would have... John would have done it. He,
5: he would. Have, he would have done it. What I, I guess where I'm kind of heading is that is that it's it's now stamped in people's brains. Lewis is is you. This is the. It would have been kind of interesting to see John, but everybody loves the Lewis you did sort of thing. Well, you know, again to
2: Ivan's credit, he knew that by having a character as broad as Lewis in that mix, it almost made the other stuff a little bit more believable. Here he's got a movie with ghosts and terror dogs and. And all hell breaking loose in New York City, and he needs it to be really believable. So, there's a number of ways to do that. You, you, you make your your main characters really earnest, really committed to doing what they're doing, like Danny. And even though Bill is like hipster, cynic, sort of kind of making taking shots at the at the whole thing, he he's he's playing it straight. It's happening. is he's, he's he's killing those ghosts with his. Uh,
5: Okay, and here's what I'm gonna get. I'm gonna put you on the spot, and you can you don't have to say anything. But you mentioned you went in to to to, to read for Lewis, and there were some other people that we would know. Can we find out who any of them? No, are? no, no, no. I, Damn that's, it. All right. that's never uh, fair. That's and I apologize, then. Never mind. So yeah, I'm. Oh, I, I'll finish off on the on the one point. The other thought I had while I was. Uh, Two points, actually, and then I'll let you go because I've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, one was, is um, Lucky Dog, you basically did the most smooching of anybody in the two Ghostbusters films in that you, uh, Bill got to kiss uh, Sigourney and Harold got to kiss Andy Potts. Uh, you got to kiss both of them. So right. I, I, there's no real, I can't really ask you for, for any comment. I just want to say, uh, nice work. And then the other one is is on the Ghostbusters two uh, video, uh there's a PR tape that went out video wise. And in it you were you, you 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 affirmed that you liked the concept so much that you felt it had enough legs for T V. You you were you were quipping at the time that, you know, if if you had your ways it'd be you know, Thursdays at eight o'clock sort of thing. I, I it's kind of kind of a stock question. I don't remember that. It's kind of a stock question, but basically, I, I'm kind of like, I, I ask everybody, what is it about this concept of a bunch of guys with, you know, packs and you know, running around busting ghosts that really hasn't been duplicated since, and people still respond to? Well, the, the
2: short answer is that it's funny, and, you know, uh, I, I think there are, are better able to give a, a, a longer analysis, you among them, uh, as to why it works. You know, certainly the balance of characters, um, Bill's kind of cool with Danny's earnestness, you know, those kinds of things Uh
5: you go back and do the third one.
3: Hello again. Hello
4: again. From Dallas to New York.
3: Yes, yes, because uh, we talked with you and with Dave Thomas when you were in town for Strange w- Brew. Right.
4: I wish I'd gotten a chance to see more of Dallas other than the Lowe's Anatole Hotel, but <laughs> we did drive through. Boy, what an incredible—I've never seen architecture. It's like Chicago, only modern. There's some fantastic architecture in Chicago, and the suburbs especially, yeah. new industrial developments. I'm a supporter of Dallas.
3: Good, good. Well, we'd love to have you back sometime. You're of course in Ghostbuster. That's the Ghostbusters. That's what we're here to talk about. And uh, obviously, you all must have had just one whale of a time making it.
4: Oh, sure. Um, you can't you can't be with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis and not have fun. I mean, you know, they're really funny, funny men. Great, you had nice. to
3: know at least Dan before, didn't you? Oh,
4: I knew I knew everybody. I I had worked only with Bill, though. Bill did a guest shot on SCTV on one show, so we had briefly cross paths, and uh, Dan, actually I would worked on a script with Dan, um, peripherally. Dave Thomas and Dan are old friends and they were working on a script for the three of us to do, so I was involved in some meetings on that. And Harold I replaced on Second City and had run into him at parties and at meetings here and there, but we had never worked together, and Ivan and I kept meeting on Air Canada and on flights between Los Angeles and Toronto, and we sort of said, yeah, someday we'll have to do something. So. When he called me to do this, I just, you know, of course, I had to say yes.
3: Rick, are you afraid because of this role at you're, uh, I'm going to say, classic nerd? Do you object?
4: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad it's classic. Uh, um, uh, if you're going to ask if I'm afraid of only playing nerds, um, no, not at all. I, I do a lot of things. And if, you know, I enjoyed playing the role. Um, everybody loves a nerd, and it's fun to play them. Um, if somebody wanted to see a whole nerd movie, uh, I, I might consider it. I think there is a movie with all nerds that I heard about, but I, I wasn't asked to be in that. So maybe I'm not that classic a nerd, I don't know. But no, I, um, I've done a lot of other things, so I'm not afraid of that at all.
6: Three ball in the side pocket. Three ball in the side pocket. He made it. Good shot, well stroked.
1: Just one more shot. If Minnesota Shorts can shoot this last ball in the pocket, he will win the game and become pool champion of the entire world. Do you know,
6: Minnesota Shorts, if you can shoot this last ball in the pocket, you will win the game and become pool champion of the entire world. That's right, pal, and here I go. Excuse me. What? But, uh, what, uh... What what ball is that? What ball is what? Uh, The ball you are going to shoot into the pocket to become pool champion of the entire world. What ball is that? The eight ball. Are you sure? Well, of course I'm sure. It's an eight ball. It's got an eight on it. Take a look. See? (gasps) Eight! So I see! You won't be seeing it for long. Eight ball in the corner pocket. Excuse me. me. What? Um, Which corner pocket? What? Well, there are four corner pockets on this table. And which one are you going to shoot the eight ball? The one it's closest to. That one over there. Aha! Eight ball in that corner pocket. Right. Thank you for telling me. Now, may I please have a little bit of quiet? Of course. shorts is going to shoot the eight bar in the corner pocket, so be quiet! How was that? Great. Yeah. <sighs> what? I was just wondering, is there uh, anything else you'd like to ask me at all before I make my shot? Anything on your mind? Anything you want to talk about? Mm, no, I don't, uh, don't believe so. Not really, mm-mm, thank you for asking. You're sure? Mm, oh yeah, fine, I'm okay. Nothing. Mm, not, not a thing, thank you. Okay then. Eight, Eight ball. ball. The corner pocket. Good luck. He missed.
1: You missed? Which means the pool champion of the entire world is not Minnesota Shorts, but Grover! Oh. That's it. I
6: quit. I'm finished playing this game forever. I'm gonna take up... Bowling! I wonder why they call me Minnesota Shorts.
0: Now, you said you're Canadian. And we're American. What's the difference? I mean, because you talk the same. Um, I mean, like, you don't take Canadian in school or anything, like, I mean, we take Spanish and French. Is there a difference? Oh, we take French. Yeah. French is compulsory. We don't take Spanish. We take mm-hmm. French. Un petit français. Uh, petit à, l'é- à l'école. Yeah, as you can tell, I was playing football during French class. <laughs> um, um, you know, I grew up in Toronto, which is like downtown Canada, so just as the states has regional cultures and, and it varies from city to city, it's true of Canada too, you can't really generalize about all Canadians and all Americans. Yeah. Um, People is there from... any major differences, like any foods that you have in Canada that we don't have here? Well, I have Canadian back bacon, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think back bacon came from? <laughs> what, what exactly is back bacon? Well, you down here, you have the side bacon, which is like the long slender pieces with all the fat. <laughs> yeah? But we have, like, it's bacon, but it's from the end. <laughs> I, I think it's from a different
6: part of the pig, eh? <laughs> I've got your picture
1: I've got your picture I'd like a million of you all around my cell I want the doctor to take a picture So I can look at you from inside as well You get me turning up and turning down I'm turning in and turning round Turning Japanese, turning Japanese I really think so Turning Japanese, turning Japanese, I really think so. Turning Japanese, turning Japanese, I really think so. Turning Japanese, turning Japanese, completely Japanese.
0: Ghost Ghost Stoppers. Stoppers. I'm sorry, we'll do it
1: again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. And Twitter accounts. Chris is dead. Uh, No kidding. Just give
3: me the address.
1: Search Facebook for... The Ghostbusters. Interdimensional transcript. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. you doing if you like what you hear please take a moment to give us a review on itunes be sure to recommend us to your friends that makes good sense don't wait another minute pick up your phone and call the professionals once again our call in line is 4702 GBHQIC.
0: that ought to do it
4: thanks very much right okay so i'm bob Mackenzie. it's my brother doug so good good day and you can turn over and list aside one again or if it'll on some Uh, sometimes it automatically does that. Good day. Good
0: day.
6: So, like, that's our song. Yeah. Good day. Good day. Well, that
4: wasn't the tune, but it was a good ending.
6: told you it was over. What? Is it? Well, yeah. Then we should go, eh? Who's driving? (laughs) Take
4: a look at what shape you're in.
0: I don't want to drive, eh? I am. Okay. Do you remember where we parked? Nice.
6: Outside? (laughs) Take off.